Hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good twilight, good dusk or dawn, whatever time, day, hour you're tuning in. The simple fact is you're tuning in, and we'd like to welcome you to the DC Comics News weekly podcast. And whatever that sound was, which was just clearly part of a new theme soundtrack, this is the DC Comics News podcast episode number 78. I am your host, Seth Singleton. I am joined by... The amazing, soon-to-be host of Felicky Fashions, Mr. Brad Felicky himself. Brad, how you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm doing good. Hope everyone who's listening is doing all right. All right, yeah. Of course, uh, this wouldn't be a DCM Weekly Podcast episode without my good friend, Mr. Steve J. Ray. Steve, how you doing today, sir? I can't find my tinfoil hat. Have you checked? Well... All the usual places. It's always in the last place you look, so I'll look there first. Okay, I was going to say, if it's not in the usual places, go to the unusual places. You're bound to hit something. Uh, that is Mr. Steve J. Ray. That was Mr. Brad Flicky. I am your host. Oh, I'll even take a Mr. Seth Singleton. We're diving right into a slew of news, all for your consumption, all for our digestion. Let us all enjoy the first one, of course, Patty Jenkins talking about the upcoming Wonder Woman 1984 and a little tidbit about the Amazon Olympics, what it means to leave Themyscira behind, enter the mortal world, knowing you can't go back, and also what this flashback about an important period in Diana's upbringing has to do with the overall narrative. Brad, starting off with you, what was your take on this story and where Patty Jenkins seems to be pointless right now? You know, a few weeks ago, I talked about how I was more interested in uh, what was going on with the new gods and seeing that project come to light than Wonder Woman. And that was probably too harsh because I I just love how into this world Patty Jenkins is. She seems so committed and has so many great ideas. And it is so cool to see her, you know, present her concepts and this is just one of those examples i think uh uh it's a cool idea i mean i would definitely i would definitely tune in to watch it uh it seems like she has a a real vision about what this world is and i think that that is uh amazing steve what do you think completely agree i mean it harkens back to uh my child and teen years and watching all the amazons fight for the right to be wonder woman when um diana was no longer deemed worthy and when we got um the red-headed artemis wonder woman and that whole thing about these extremely capable and powerful women um having literally like their own olympics to see who's best and when you think that they're on that island for hundreds and thousands of years they they literally have to do something and having an annual competition to crown their champion as it is it just seems like a fantastic idea and i would honestly watch the living hell out of that diana is the ultimate warrior but she must have got there somehow it wasn't didn't happen overnight so she had to train with the best of the best and beat the best of the best because if you're going to be the man you've got to beat the man rick flair said so so wonder woman i salute you and if this kind of stuff is what they're going to bring to the amazon standalone movie oh boy i'm gonna be watching what about you seth I completely agree with the fact that if you're training constantly for an impending evasion and the the knowledge that there's always an outside threat, 
it keeps you on a degree of edge that at some point we all have to blow off steam. And I love that this, you know, is such a great community event where everyone gathers together the best at their, you know, skill displays it. Everyone gets a chance to sort of celebrate the prowess and the ability. And also it's like almost anything. Once you've done it enough times, you, you develop a, a cadence and then there's sort of tricks that you figure out how to make it faster or better. And then, Hey, what's wrong with a little showmanship? So I love this idea of, of getting a chance to catch this flashback and and have this feeling of community. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to, to play into the overall narrative of the story, because, you know, in a movie like this, you, you know that there's a lot of expectation. You know that there's going to be moments where she's going to be looking back to uh, her history, uh, the, the things that help sort of, you know, provide her with a foundation for becoming the woman and the warrior that we know her as today. And I love that Patty Jenkins is pointing to these great moments that we can look forward to experiencing and also how they're going to be part of that story. So one of those great things where you think to yourself, like, OK, I had enough reasons I thought to look forward to this. Now I have even more. We're uh, we're looking forward to hopefully Wonder Woman being able to come out on one of the dates that we've announced previously, but we're going to, we're going to focus right now on the fact that when it is coming out, this is going to be one of those great moments moving right into a, a story from movie news that I, I, I paused and had to read over once or twice. And I just sort of went, man, don't, don't, don't let this be a rumor. Let this, let this feel as real as it does right now. I want this to work out. What am I talking about? Well, I could tease along a little bit more, just point out that it, there's this possibility of Warner Brothers putting together a Constantine movie. I could say more, but really that's what Mr. Brad Flicky and Steve J. Ray are here for. So, Brad, tell me your thoughts on the announcement of a Constantine movie. I love this idea because I, I do love the character. Uh, I, I just kind of hope they stay truer to the character if they're going to do something like this than than they did with the first movie. Yes. You know, um, I have no problem with Keanu Reeves, of course, who does. Um, but uh, it didn't it didn't necessarily feel like a Constantine movie. And I would, re- you know, that's one thing that I would love to see them get right with the second one, like the. The same the trench coat, even necessarily like the blonde hair, just like, the, you know, I, I think that, man, <laughs> I would love to see the Constantine from the comics on screen. And I would love it if they would set up some kind of like Justice League dark movie by getting like the Zantana movie and the Constantine movie and then yeah. bring them all together. <laughs> who wouldn't? We're cheering. Who would not love that? Yeah. You know, like, um, so, yeah, I, I'm all for it. Um you know, so hopefully, you know, this is a bit of a non-news story in the sense that nothing was confirmed, which is kind of a rumor. But I hope that this turns out to be uh, a, a reality. Steve, what do you think? Brothers, fellow nerdsketeers, what is our favorite, our list, our go-to, our title that we say is the most underrated books DC is producing? Which one is Justice, it? Justice League Dark. There we go. I have converted you both to my cause. You are oh, brainwashed. You are my minions now. Um, no, that that book is just amazing and hot on the news of the Zatanna film. If we get this as well, well, guess what? I like it. And if they build it, like you said, Brad, you, you read my tiny little mind. If this leads to a Justice League Dark movie and they handle it the same way the comics did, 
dang, that's going to be so good. But I'm a Keanu fan. I've always liked Keanu Reeves. I like 99% of the films he's in. Um, he's, he's incredibly awful English accent in Bram Stoker's Dracula notwithstanding. But um, his <laughs> Constantine... <laughs> oh, God, it was bad. Dick Van Dyke was laughing his ass off. Oh, my God, someone worse than me. Finally. <laughs> Um, no, that Constantine movie was it was a good film, but it was more Ted Theodore Logan Demon Hunter than Constantine. Let, let, let's be honest. Um, but uh, if they cast it true to the comics, I mean, I, I know it's not going to be Matt Ryan uh, and he is perfect. Picture perfect is Constantine, particularly in his own show, which was darker. Um, but uh, if they cast it right, it could be incredible. And then if it ties in Zatanna. The possibilities are endless. Seth, what do you make of this story, brother? I really, I mean, the first thing, I know you just said it's not true. And I I, I know it can't be, I know Matt Ryan won't be. But I'm holding out hope, man. There's just this part of me that's like, come on, come on. Why not? Like, you if know, anyone come on. Hey. It, they cut his season short. It should have carried on to the full 20 episodes, man. God's sake. Please. Right. And and especially with like some amazing storylines that they were developing the war in heaven. I mean, you know, like I said, uh, I don't care what his name is in the show. He's still always going to be my Mercutio, you know, and those <laughs> lovely appearances. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there was that part of me that was just like, why would you cut this short? Not only that, but recently uh, my wife wanted to check out Alias and I'm watching not only Jennifer Garner on a TV show, which was her first real sort of move, but also, uh, oh goodness, the guy from A Star is Born and The Hangover. Oh, uh, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. And I'm like, look, these guys made the jump. I think Matt Ryan has the chops to make the jump. I think he should be given at least a fair, you know, screen test and and see. But even if they don't, I love what you guys are talking about. The fact that, you know, we we already know about a Zatanna solo film that's in the works. We could tie these together. We could introduce some other characters from Justice League Dark with each film so that by the time we do come around to a Justice League Dark film, hey, there's no, you know, there's not as much mystery. We've teased enough. And because of that, we've built that that interest. But I'm also intrigued with the fact that there's going to be a Justice League Dark series, you know, for HBO Max. So uh, directions they're going to take this make me think that why not have something where you can actually enjoy characters who move from big screen to little screen seamlessly and fans get that continuity why why can't we try it with one product well a story we're going to be talking about a little bit later is um doing just that isn't it exactly yep yep steve's doing the teasing for me i don't even gotta lay it down extra thick it's just there enjoy but oh naughty um <laughs> but hey fun for all of you listening what's that tease going to be hmm well we'll have to get to that before we do a few more movie stories for us to keep in mind uh it went from full tilt production to shutting down on march 14th and now according to this story the Batman is inching ever closer to turning to production. Um, how close are we talking inches, centimeters, millimeters? 
I'm going to let Brad and Steve help us sort of parse the details, if there really are any in this story, or are we just guessing? Brad, where are we at, buddy? I think I'm going to quote Winston Churchill when he said, this is not the beginning of the end, but maybe the end of the beginning. So nice. maybe we can Thanks, finally awesome. get the wheels turned to get these movies back in production. And I find it interesting, the list of movies that they gave, it was all those those big budget movies. Well, I wouldn't say interesting, but it, it seems obvious that, that they're pushing to get these big budget movies back into production because they know that that's going to bring in money for the studios. And, and as that happens, we'll get closer and closer to you know getting the film industry back on track and i think that's something as movie fans and comic fans i think that that's something we all want to see so it's just good to see the wheels start to turn and i'm really looking forward to seeing this movie i i do think that robert pattinson is going to surprise us all and i think that the cast is is some really good choices so you know, I, I'm I'm definitely glad to see see it come back around, and it, it's good that we'll be back on that maybe that kind of schedule of every podcast having a Batman story to talk about when it comes to this film. So hopefully this will be the start of that. So good, yeah. Steve. What do you think? I know some people that know some people who say that mm-hmm. they've already started. And I'm going to leave that right there. Yes, um, a lot of things are back in production in in the UK. And if you remember those on-set photos with the motorbikes and the stunt stuff, uh, the chaps and chapettes behind those pictures have already been uh, on the underground wire saying that things are already happening. it, the article's actually um, said it pretty well. Um, things are starting, mainly it's in a bubble. It's some of the stunt guys, some of the uh, non-main cast who are working. But they're also um, doing some acting parts, but not necessarily the actors sharing a stage. Um, I don't know how that's going to look, but it's going to be similar to what they did when they reshot some of the scenes of Justice League, where it's... You can tell if you look hard enough that they're not at the same place at the same time. But if you don't look hard enough and don't know, it can pass you by. And that's going to progress until they need them in close contact and uh, for certain like romantic and, and fighting scenes as well. But things are already on the move, according to some of my UK-based sources. Sometimes it can be good living here. Sometimes. <laughs> Seth, what do you make of this story, brother? Well, I... I'm moved by the idea that not only do we have this story to pique our interest, but Steve, once again, just that delicious little tidbit. It's like for those of you who uh, are meat eaters like myself right now, I'm picturing just this lovely, juicy steak and it's just dangling. And I'm like, smell that smells just right. Perfect sear, good amount of butter, nice seasoning. Oh, that's going to taste good. So you, you've you've wet my appetite twice now, and I can't wait for whatever might be able to be produced by this uh, intriguing team that you're talking about because their results so far with the, uh, you know, Batman uh, stunt bike work that we saw, the, the quick shots of, of Cowboy, those were some gorgeous grabs where I thought to myself, wow, what's coming next? And, you know, I'm really intrigued, Brad. I, I think you brought up that great point. 
hopefully this is that restart we're looking for where week after week we can look forward to updates, new releases, teasers, uh, tidbits, uh, images that we can drool over. Not saying that we did it in an inappropriate way, but it was healthy drooling as what is want to do when it's great pictures. So I, I love the idea that this is picking up. I'm also intrigued that um, this bubble idea that they're talking about reminds me so much of what you've been hearing in different sports arenas. Uh, most recently, um, I think it's the NBA has had a lot of conversation about is their bubble secure and do they have to worry about issues with breakouts and how they're approaching this. And I'm intrigued to see how the movie industry is doing as well, the, the number of really big films that they're working on getting this together. I... Uh, I only, you know, want the best things to happen. So I'm encouraged not only by the story, but Steve, by your uh, <clears throat> insider scoop. I am very impressed with your sources and contacts, my friends. And I'm looking forward to other future developments they might be able to provide as well. And I think that's a great way for us to wrap up what's been a very impressive set of uh, movie news topics and shift gears over to TV and streaming news because well, TV and streaming news is about to give movie and all those other categories a run for its money as to what we're talking about, how we're talking about it. And what I'm talking about is the announcement that there is a new Batwoman. How much more to go in beyond that? I'm going to attempt the name because uh, generally I say it wrong and then Brad and Steve and others can correct me and then I say it right when we come back around to me. Javicia Leslie is our new Batwoman. And from that point, I'm stepping back and saying, Brad, you've read this article like we all have. Take it away. What were your first uh, first draws, first interests, first responses? I think it is a very cool, gutsy move uh, to, to just recast as a completely different character. I, I am very excited to see what she does with the role. Uh, it's very good that they got another representative from the LBGTQ community to play the role. Uh, it, it just, yeah, because I, I would prefer it not to have to rethink of somebody else as Kate Keen, but just bring in somebody completely different. And, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I like that she's not so well known. So in that way, I'll always associate her with that role. So, uh, yeah, I, I really kind of can't wait to see what she does once, you know, when she puts on the costume and gets in front of a camera. I think it's a very, uh, very cool move. Steve, what do you think? Three words. Conflicted. Hmm. I'm, I'm totally in two minds. Um, looking at her resume and her training, outstanding. She's a martial artist a gymnast and a dancer she's definitely going to have the right moveset which is something that the poor old ruby rose tries she might didn't have and you could tell clearly that it was not her doing the fight scenes in season one but batwoman is a fairly new character to this day and i know we've had other people under the cowl as batman we've had multiple robins and We've had three different supermen running around at the same time in Brandon Ralph and Tyler Heckling on the TV show and um, Henry Cavill on the big screen. But um, in the respect of looking at characters that have been recast, like 14 Doctor Whos, almost as many James Bonds. I mean, 
if you count the 1960s original version of Casino Royale, you can add David Niven and, and Peter Sellers to the list of James Bonds as well, because they also played the character in the film. And they said that he was just a title that they passed around between spies to make fun of the, the serious Bond movies. So are we really that dumb that we can't accept a different actor in a role? And it's been happening in soaps since um, Moses came down from the mountain with the tablets. I personally don't like the idea of changing the lead. I'm a huge fan of Kate Kane, Batwoman, not a huge fan of Ryan Wilder, who's that woman. So while I'm incredibly happy for Jabisha and I hope she does a brilliant, uh, she does really well in the role. It's a great strike for um, diversity. It's a great strike for everything that's positive, but to lose the main character after one season and not replace her, uh, oh, I'm just conflicted. I, I really hope it goes well, but I'm just torn, really, really torn by this news because I'm a Kate Kane fan. What can I say? Seth? I, for one, started with the first thing that really stuck out for me, which was how does she come off when when asked about the role and that she's extremely proud to be the first black actress to to play uh, Batwoman. And I was really intrigued when I mentioned it to my wife, how she started talking about um, really great performances that that we've had from so many people who have taken on these iconic roles and and what they brought to it. Steve, I completely understand what you're talking about when it comes to the Batwoman that has existed in comics and who the series was based on. And you're not alone. I mean, one of the things that stuck out for me as well about this story was, despite her passion and excitement, that there's a a large segment of the fan base that's going, this isn't the Batwoman we know. And you raise an interesting point. How difficult is it to make a casting change and ask us as rational adults to simply accept this is the new person playing the same character? And then there's also a part of me that's intrigued by the fact that that's the character that I know and that the one they're talking about here uh, is someone who's completely different. That uh, Ryan is, (laughs) you know, a drug runner, somebody who lives in a van with her plant. So already I've got some intriguing ideas there. It reminds me of some other programs, some other characters I've seen. Uh, I'm intrigued also by some of the points that were brought up that you mentioned, like her prowess as far as boxing, Muay Thai, uh, the fact that you add in um, the flexibility of dance and what that can bring to whatever fighting style she she embraces as the character. I feel like there's a part of me that simply looks at what the challenge must have been that made this decision the best direction to go. I wonder if there was simply not a way that they believed they could introduce storytelling that would explain it, B, if they felt it was enough to simply recast the character and keep the name Kate Kane, as well as all the backstory and history that goes with it, or if they saw this as an opportunity to simply change directions completely and maybe at some point down the line come back to who Kane Kane was, where she went, why she's not around, and how they work through a solution to that problem. But um, I feel like those are things that are going to hopefully come about with some time. But it, it also feels like without that that ability to, to find that solution or to feel that they could make that change, 
with the audiences, either A, understanding or B, approval or C, something else. This is the one they've went with. And I'm encouraged mostly by the fact that if she's coming with that sort of passion and excitement and aware of of the history that she's about to create, what she can also do with that and how that can get me on board. Because there's been times where I thought to myself, I don't know if I can get on board with this. And then an episode or two or so many minutes in and I'm hooked. I've just made the buy. I suspended whatever disbelief and, and I'm there. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be thinking about this one more as well, but I I'm really intrigued with the choice and also the character story. So I, I think right now I'm just sort of leaning in that direction. If I had like a scale, like that's the way it's tilting right now. But I can't. It's not like it's just a one way decision. I, I can't discount all the great points that you both brought up, and why I think uh, this is a story that, much like the Batman, we're gonna continue talking about as the uh, weeks progress. Just the thing though, because. Looking back at season one, and part of what made it so strong was the relationship with Kate and Alice, the casting of Rachel Scarston and her stepsister um, and Luke Fox and all those relationships that were built. Are those all going to be forgotten now? Are those characters even going to be in season two? And uh, they're going to have to literally start again from scratch with those relationships and the new Batwoman. So... Oh, I don't know. I just feel like it's one step forward, three steps back. And that's what I'm upset about. I mean, I honestly do think that she's going to be fantastic in the role, but it's just odd to me that they've decided to go down that route. But hey, um, it's been done. The decision's been made. We're just going to have to see how the dice rolls. But looking back at the recent Lethal Weapon TV show, when they killed off Martin Riggs and brought in a new character, that killed the show Stone Dead. Um, I hope that doesn't happen because, as everyone knows, I'm the biggest Bat fan in the world. But um, I don't know. Precedent doesn't doesn't bode well for the series, I think. Well, I think it's uh, something also, you know, we're going to have to continue looking at, much like we've seen some casting changes that were made on programs like The Flash and how they're going to move forward, how they're going to make sense of, of what these changes are going to mean and how they're going to deal with the characters, no longer having the actor who portrayed them uh, you know, be available for whatever reasons, um, whether they left or they were asked to leave or, or chose to leave because it was the responsible thing to do. Brad, I, I know we're still sort of, you know, chewing this one around. Any additional thoughts you wanted to throw in about anything we've been talking about so far? I just think at the very, at a very basic level, I think that the one positive thing is that at least that studios and television channels and the powers that be kind of respect the fans enough to know that we can handle things. I think that the fan base, there would have been a time when this kind of entertainment just would have kind of been a throwaway. And it doesn't matter who we put in or what character they play. And I, I I think now we're at a place where a lot more thought goes into that. Like you're talking about, you know, Steve, how they're going to rebuild these relationships and things like that. And I really do think that we're at a place where that things like that really go into consideration. And at the very at the very least, the results are going to have some thought behind it. It's not going to be throwing stuff against a wall and seeing what sticks. It's <laughs> it's there has been some definite planning and thought about around it. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm also just reminded of times when I, I like, I used to love this Canadian Mountie show called Due South. I, I was such a sucker for it, um, and it was wholesome and and cute. And at one point they replaced the partner, but they don't explain why the partner's gone. They just have a new guy there, a new actor, and he's also playing the same character. And eventually it's revealed that there was a witness protection thing. And in order to sort of keep the cover alive, this guy acts like the the partner while the partner's in witness relocation. And I, I was in. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Still love the characters. Love what they did. Just as quirky as everything I've expected. Sold. When's the next episode? And now, for me, that was a lot of fun because not only is the guy who they cast a great character actor. I've seen him in amazing stuff, uh, The Killing, and a number of other amazing stuff where I think to myself, like, dude. Every time you're a new guy and you're an original character, and I love that about it. So I, I I moved by what also was happening for all those characters who had to pretend this was the original guy, but also build all new relationships. And that can be really helpful for this kind of a move because without that foundation, the series can never go forward. This character will have to become associated with all of those other remaining supporting characters and build original relationships that aren't based on any previous history. Fresh trust issues are going to happen, which I think could make seasons worth of storytelling. Uh, and that's with every character who's still, you know, part of the original supporting cast. I, I'm intrigued by that direction. So I want to take a lot of uh, heartening or uh, encouragement, optimism. And you know me, I'm I'm just way too optimistic so <laughs> give me like a spark glimmer of smoke and i'm like just keep puffing it's gonna we're gonna get a fire baby we're gonna get a fire just come on um but i also don't want my voice to be the last one about this so i know we brought up a, a lot of different things about this story steve brad any final thoughts you want to clue in before we move on to our next tv story it's the whole season two thing season one is setting the stage and making the relationships this is going to be another season one because they're having to start from scratch. Season two is usually when things go crazy. The, the, everything's been set in motion. I mean, how are they going to handle that whole um, hush looking like Bruce Wayne now? What the hell has this new character got to do with Bruce Wayne? Why should she even care? I mean, they just have to pull loads of strings together that, that weren't dangling in the first place at the end of season one, just because she's a totally new character. And, I'm just going to find it hard to adjust because I honestly think they're going to recast everything. I think they're going to start again and you might as well not have had that season one in the first place. So, I mean, I've heard a lot of fans saying that they're going to keep season one, leave it as it is and forget about season two. Well, I don't agree with that because everyone deserves a chance. I can see where they're coming from. That That's the, the, the bit that I'm conflicted about. I, I love Batwoman, but I don't know who this new person is. I don't know. It's weird. Fair enough. Brad, you, any final thoughts before we shift? No, nope, I think that you guys have brought up a lot of good, <laughs> a lot of good points. A okay. lot of things to chew over. Uh, I agree. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I'm more interested now as to what more will be coming out. What more we'll be learning uh, as we get closer to this season two actually airing. Speaking of season twos, Batwoman will not be alone. It appears that Stargirl fans can 
cheer with joy, respond in whatever exultations they choose, because the series has been renewed for season two. And yet, at the same time, it will not be airing on DC Universe, where it started, but also was sharing time with CW. The CW announcing that it has renewed Stargirl for season two. I was intrigued by this shift. I'm more intrigued by what Brad and Steve are going to say. Brad, we're starting with you. What's your uh, take on this one? I have absolutely loved this show. Uh, I, I liked it more than I thought I was going to like it. The... The tone works. The relationships between the character works. It's it's funny. It's lighthearted and wholesome enough, um, but uh, still has some meat on the bones. Um, so I really am glad that we're getting the second season. However, I wish that it would also be on the streaming service. Cause that's how I watch it. I, I actually do watch it on the DC Universe uh, app. So Same. Right here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so I'm gonna miss that. And I, basically, I think the the thing that worries me the most is that I don't know if this sounds like a little ominous for the future of the DC Universe streaming service. So I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see. But um, I'm just glad it's gonna be around for a second season. But I'm bummed it's not gonna be on DC Universe. Uh, Steve, what do you think? You're so right. This series came out of nowhere and stole my heart. I've loved Stargirl so far. It's been everything I wanted and more. The, the re-characterization of the old JSA characters, every cast member shines. They all work together brilliantly. So yay that it's been renewed. That's fantastic news. But um, for all the DC Universe subscribers, that's a bit of a blow because it's going to go to the CW. And I'm hoping... It doesn't have a CW budget because the one thing about CW shows is they do look cheap, particularly when compared to all the stuff that's aired on DC Universe, which is polished, shiny, gorgeous, cinema level quality. Um, Swamp Thing was stunning. Stargirl on on, on DC Universe was stunning. Uh, Teen Titans just does not look like any other CW show, but... That, that's where I'm concerned slightly. Is the budget going to be affected or are they, because it's been a hit, going to let it go? Have the numbers watching it on the CW been that much stronger than those watching it on DC Universe? Because, hey, um, Stargirl has not aired in the UK. We don't know when it's going to air in the UK. I'm just extremely fortunate to be part of uh, DC Comics News and, and be able to view the shows for review purposes. So I've managed to see it that way. But no normal UK fan knows what this show is or has even heard of it or seen any of it. So while that's good news, if it's on the CW, that means it will get syndicated here sooner. I feel bad for all the great fans like yourselves who pay for the DC Universe streaming service to be losing one of its top, top shows. So again, this is a weird story. I'm really happy that it's been, been renewed, but slightly concerned about the fact that it's just going to be on a network now. That's a, that's a little bit weird to me, but hey ho, more Stargirl, so that's good news. Seth, more Stargirl is definitely good news. Uh, this show, I, <laughs> it it got me right from the first episode, from the first five minutes. I mean, the opening scenes, the way you can really see how Jeff Johns has put his touch on every episode, every character. Every scene, it feels like there's these moments where I just think to myself, like, oh, man, that's something you would do in a comic book in a second. I 
I can, you know what I mean? I can see your fingerprints all over that. And what he's accomplished has been phenomenal. And that it was done with that amazing budget see that you talked about, DC Universe. It it gave it a quality that has been existent with all of their original programming. Swamp Thing's uh, visuals to this day are something that I think to myself, like, man, that's, that's a lot of love. I love that great Silence of the yeah. Lambs quote where uh, they're talking about the, the butterfly, the moth they find. Uh, I think it was a moth that they find inside the dead guy's throat. And uh, they're just talking about, you know, who raised it. They're like, this guy loved this. He cared for it. He fed it. He did all of the, you know what I mean? There's a love, a care, a quality that's, you know, put into place with every one of these shows. Also, man, what does this mean for DC Universe, as you both pointed to, which really is a concern for me? Because the fact that, you know, I'm getting this content email saying, hey, you can go ahead and, you know, get HBO Max as part of a special deal because you're with DC Universe and, and work out this plan. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Where's DC Universe going? What what are you doing that you're not telling me? And I don't like the idea of seeing great programming go from a, a platform that I love watching it on to the CW, where budget concerns are, of course, something to worry about, but also what it's leaving behind. And are we still... Are we still going to have the DC Universe app that we've had up until this point? And also, man... It, it, it started here. I, I feel like the shared network viewing was a benefit for both audiences. Maybe, as it's been pointed out, the numbers were stronger for the CW. I, I understand that's how money works. It's an industry. I get all of that. But I don't like what it points to, and I want to be encouraged by season two. I just don't want it to mean a good thing for CW and a bad thing for DC Universe. And with that... I keep in mind the fact that we were just talking, or I was, uh, about HBO Max, and with that, in my own train of thought, my own brain, it makes sense for me to shift gears right into the next story. But you don't know what I'm talking about, so maybe I should be clear. Not only were we talking about HBO Max, but also the Batman and the revelation that the story that Matt Reeves is creating for the Batman movie and the Gotham City he's introducing will actually continue when the movie ends in a spin-off series featuring the Gotham City Police Department coming to HBO Max. There's more to this story, and I'm starting off with Brad to hash it out with us. What was your take on this and all the other details this story contained, Brad? Uh, guys, I can't be the only one that read this and immediately thought of Greg Rucka's uh, Gotham PD or, uh, <laughs> You're not. series. Oh, yeah. Which was so good. Um, so, yeah, if it's anything like that series was, I think it's a great idea. And there are – so that's it's one of my favorite things about Batman. Um, you know, I always say that as far as comics go, there is nothing better than a well-told Batman story. And one of the main reasons why that is, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to do with Batman, but it has to do with the supporting cast and the villains. And there's so much area to cover and so many fun ways that they could play this. And if, um, you know, everything seems to be pointing towards the Batman being kind of a, you know, the, the the whole detective story. So, you know, the, the Gotham PD can play a pretty big part in all of that. So 
uh, it seems like it could be a really cool idea if it's executed well and set up well in in the Batman film. Uh, Steve, what do you think? After two stories that had me conflicted, you both know that this one I am 100% positive. Oh, yeah, baby, about um, Brad. I, I just want to clam down the phone line and give you a hug, man. Yes, <laughs> those comics were phenomenal. Gotham Central. Wonderful. Not Gotham PD. Oh, yeah, yeah. so good. Gotham Central was awesome. And like you said, Batman's world is fascinating, not just because of Batman, um, but because of his supporting characters. And Gotham City herself is a character in every movie, in every TV show, in every comic book, that that city is, is a gothic, living, breathing being. And the crooks, the con men, the gangsters, then the supervillains, um, that GCPD has to be one of the hardest working forces on Earth with what they have to deal with. And if you base a TV show around that, that's actually based and flowing on from a blockbuster movie that's based on all that. I mean, this show could run forever. It could be the new Hill Street Blues. It could be a, a superhero-related cop show for the ages. And that is exciting as hell. I mean, let's think about every which way it could go. It could be a standard detective story one week. It could be a gross murder mystery. It could be chasing a serial killer. It can be Silence of the Lambs. It can be Starsky and Hutch. It can be Steel and Stone. Um, as that, sorry, that's a Doom Patrol reference for anyone who hasn't seen that. <laughs> Um, there's so many ways it can go but we know Matt Reeves from his Planet of the Apes movies is a cinematic giant when it comes to world building and creating stories and histories for characters and given a TV show which doesn't have that two hour constraint that a movie does where it can be told episodically over weeks, months and years that is exciting as hell to me yeah, I am on Board like the silver surfer with this one, mate. Uh, Seth, <laughs> what did you think? Man, I always wanted to ride that board. Like, just cruise the cosmos, <laughs> catch a little Milky Way, you know. Yeah, just sort of get a little tail, just sort of, you know, spray going on. I think this story is really an encouraging response to what we've seen television do recently. I mean, how many times have we just sort of like dribbled over our own sort of drool as we tried to talk about all the things that Watchmen did for us, the way it changed everything we were thinking about, whether or not you could adapt or even follow up a seminal work like that on screen and then to do it and execute it so well. And also, I've really been impressed by the fact that I've been checking out like uh, – Hannah, which I thought was a great action movie and then recently became a series on Amazon Prime and how they were able to, with that first season, sort of stretch out the ideas behind the movie, which were so condensed, as you pointed out, Steve, that time limit that you have to deal with and how they were able to take that movie, stretch it out into a first season and then use all the developments they created to then bring about an original second season that feels fresh, new. Uh, my wife's been watching it. My mother-in-law has been watching it. I mean, people are picking, you know, and you just think to yourself, like, what a gift that time is. What, what it allowed us to see with some of the great scenes in Watchmen. Now take that idea. Take the visionary scale, Steve, that you were talking about with what we've seen from Matt Reeves for this Planet of the Apes movies. Allow him to plant all the seeds he needs to with the Batman. And then afterwards, 
know that these characters who are being introduced, whatever time we get to see them on the big screen is just the introduction for who we'll get to see when this series picks up on HBO Max. It, it does point to that possibility, as was so well teased, about whether or not there needs to be such strict lines between television and movies and whether or not actors can, you know, cross those lines successfully, have characters who can live in both worlds and how much closer we're getting to those worlds feeling less separate by a, a firm concrete brick wall and more just like a vibrational frequency, right? I mean, we all subscribe to the multiverse theory here, and even those who aren't here with us will agree. So I, I love all of the possibility, and I love that there's still all this great mystery. Like, we don't even know what the casting is going to be like. We don't even know who's going to be part of it. <laughs> we don't know if Jeffrey Wright's going to, you know, come on, because um, that would oh, be that would be amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Right. You know, or whether or not we could get a Pattinson Batman just pop in. And then, what? Brad, what I loved, you know, you brought up Rucka, which Steve, you and I have been sort of freaking out about as Lois Lane, um, you know, and also what he did for Gotham Central and what that can mean for great, compelling stories about these cops who have the toughest job out of anybody. I mean, can you imagine just being a cop like, yeah, so there's a killer croc sighting and Batman's off somewhere taking out Ra's al Ghul. Ah, what do we have? And how do we do this? Or even just getting the chance to see regular cops deal with someone like Victor, you know, with Victor's as or, or some of these other violent criminals who Batman can be there, but if there's a guy bigger up on the rung who he has to take care of, well, GCPD, step up. And I think there's going to be something fun about watching the characters who are like, hey, man, I came to GCPD because live fast, die young. It's always a hard party. You never know when you're time. You know what I mean? And the other ones who yeah. are like, hey, man, I I'm in here because I believe if I if I last long enough, I can be part of real change. Like so many different narratives you get a chance to. I, I really love the potential here. And man. I mean, Gotham, we we know some characters who've also made appearances in other projects like Birds of Prey and stuff where could we see more and more blending of worlds? I I don't know. I don't think that you could have uh, a Gotham PD series without Renee Montoya in some way. <laughs> yeah, so, I didn't want to be the one to say it, Brad. Thank you for taking yeah. it. I, I was like, come on, man. I can't be the only one driving a bunch of these topics. And thank you. I think that, yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, it, it's funny thinking about it because some of my uh, favorite episodes of the X-Files were when they got a little si uh, got a little silly and the more humorous episodes. And oh, if they could just do, yeah, if they could just do like the, the, they take on Condiment King or something like that or some <laughs> one of those more like Z-list villains oh, would be, please, could no, be so, <laughs> I mean, this there's little so many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the uh, possibilities are endless. Yeah, not, not only that, but I, I love what you brought up with X-Files. Brilliant, brilliant observation, man, and, and add in there. Because I'm reminded of, like, the kid – I think it was the kid from Sandlot who they ended up making, like, the, the child vampire. And they're like, yeah, Billy gets out of control sometimes. He doesn't understand the feeding frenzy. And it's like a town of vampires. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And they, yeah. they told the story from, from both Scully and Mulder's perspectives. So it's like yeah. she sees the sheriff, and he's, like, kind of smooth and great jawline, this and that. And Mulder sees him, and he's kind of skinny, angular, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I really think you could have some of the zany fun. I love, Brad, that you brought up that 
do we really want to try and do a Gotham series without Renee Montoya? And who does that mean we get to include? Um, and you could hear, you know, Steve just cheered in the background there, just echoing the hell out of it. <laughs> we have um, to have Montoya and Bullock. We have to have them both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's keep all of that in mind as well of who we're going to get to talk about for these great casting decisions and all these potential possibilities. I mean, I agree with you, Steve. There were a lot of, you know, contrasting feelings with those previous two stories. But this one, just slam, bam, out of the park. You know, did you hear the crack on that one? Pop! And it's just gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a lovely way for us to wrap up TV and streaming. Now, we've got comic book news coming. But, of course, we're going to take that also important ad break. Give you a little bit of insight, a little bit of information, and come right back with the news that always starts everything on this show. And for most of us, it has to do with the majority of our lives. We're talking about comic books. We'll be right back. Thanks for your patience. Talk to you soon. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by... The guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat me, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s 
mistake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. And just like that, quicker than a flash. We're back. The ad break is over. We hope you've had your fill of all of that great news and information. And should you still be burping a little bit, that's okay. You're among friends, company. Just, you know, tilt your head to the side. Be polite. And maybe say excuse me. I will make no excuses for our comic book news that we'll be talking about, the subjects it contains, the content, and this first story, which is an announcement that Joker War will be ending and Grifter returning with October's Batman solicitations. Brad, I'm curious to get your thoughts. It's one of two stories we have featuring Grifter and Batman. What was your take, my friend? Uh, I think it could be kind of an interesting thing to see uh, Grifter in Gotham and how Batman reacts to that, because in a lot of ways they're different in how they approach what they do. And I could definitely have some conflict there. And I, you know, I would probably have a stronger opinion on it if I knew exactly what the aftermath of the Joker War is going to entail. Because I don't exactly know what we have in store for us. It's hard to say exactly where Gripper can fit into that equation. But, um, yeah, it should be fun, you know, finding that out over the course of the next few months. Uh, Steve, what do you think? I cannot wait. Um, I frequently have a go at the original Image comics. But Wildcats was one of the ones that was actually usually quite readable. But um, it, it was because of characters like Cole Cash, like Grifter. And I remember the first time Batman met Grifter in a brilliant JLA Wildcats crossover back in the 90s, where Batman saw a man who was supremely capable, a, a real fighter, a real um, hero in many ways, but he carried guns. And that, that just dragged on Batman's nerves. And there's even a line in the comic where Batman says, listen, you're good. You're really good. You don't need those. They're a crutch. And Griffith says, yeah, you may be, may be right. And that's all that was said. If they carry on down that road, these two men are so alike. They are paragons of justice and natural fighters and warriors. I actually think they make an incredible team if Grifter can see past the, the barrel of that gun and look at other ways of approaching things. I've always loved the character. Um, when they touted the Wildcats comic, which we spoke about a few months back, but then DC decided, no, they, they weren't going to do it. After the brilliant Brian um, Hill stories of, of uh, Wildstorm and Michael Cray and that whole series as well. Oh God, this is so exciting. And um, when I got this press release yesterday and I was writing it up for Dark Knight News and I heard that Grifter's going to be working for Lucius Fox. Damn, colour me excited. Two of my favourite characters are going to butt heads and I cannot wait. <laughs> Seth. 
I think this is a great announcement. I love what you brought up about, you know, when Wildcats first appeared with Image Comics. You know, just the original look, the original story, their their whole world that they introduced to us and what these characters were fighting for. And then that great crossover that you mentioned, really important because of the fact that you could have had a, a better team up if it wasn't for the fact that the weapon of choice that Grifter was using was the one thing that was going to draw a line between he and Batman. And how it is that, you know, these characters can be seen together again after a bit of a disappearance for Grifter and other Wildstorm characters. And also the fact that they're appearing now, because our other story is one that really intrigues me. And it's the announcement that uh, DC artist Freddie E. Williams uh, II had recently pitched an idea to DC for a new street level Wildcats team. And it didn't work out, unfortunately. There were a lot of great details in here that make me consider what we might be seeing. As Brad pointed out, when Joker War comes to an end and Grifter actually appears on the scene. And I was just curious what you guys thought about the idea of, of uh, Freddie Williams' take on Grifter, his pitch, what he mentions about it, and what that that sort of you know brings to mind for the fact that we will eventually get to see Grifter at the end of Joker's War. Brad, switching over to you first. This would have been a cool thing to see the light of day. I like the idea of Batman being involved, kind of have this vision of kind of Bruce Wayne financing uh, Wildcats kind of behind the scenes and then coming in every once in a while to help them out. Uh, and I, I think these characters have been, you know, despite the Image Comics early days, whatever, that they were kind of associated with these characters have been fan favorites for a while. So it's kind of it, cool to see them integrated in with some DC characters in that way. So this pitch could have been, yeah, this could have been something cool. I probably definitely would have picked it up. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. The Wildcats may have had some of the worst dialogue ever committed to <laughs> comics history, but that, that was a staple of image back then. They were all about the yeah. art, but the characters were brilliantly realized the whole Dynamic, and we've spoken about this before of them being a cadre of, of angels who uh, who were mated with human beings to, to, to make heroes, while demonites uh, or demons mated with human beings to make devils and villains. And that whole concept was a brand new take on the whole superhero supervillain mythology. And then Alan Moore came along and threw another spanner in the works, like he always does, of tearing down the characters he's writing and then building them up more real, better, and and more interesting so to have these characters then brought into the dc universe with the wildstorm titles and now to have another wildcats touted with freddie williams i mean dudes you guys have read the batman turtles crossovers right (laughs) i've read the first two i haven't i the third one came out while we've been in quarantine so it's kind of tricky to get my hands on it but yeah oh so good I, i could look at that dude's art all day long and these character designs these pages he's put on this article where he's drawing batman with zeller and grifter and and more and all the other brilliant wildcats characters again this is a story that i have no problem with in any way shape or form um i'm a wildcats are like my guilty pleasure i'll admit it um they were the comic that i never bought but i always borrowed from my younger cousin roy if you're listening I blame you. Thanks for that. Seriously, cheers. Um, so, oh yeah, I want to see more, and I want to see Batman with them. And I love your idea, Brad. 
Ooh, Bruce Wayne secretly financing them. Ooh, I like it. Seth, what do you make of it? <laughs> Brad does have some of the best ideas, doesn't he? Uh, that's that's a, a lovely one right there. I, Breaking I love- the size of a planet that way. <laughs> Come on. Well, and I, I finally, some some episodes ago, finally got a chance to to throw out the old Pulp Fiction. Like, look at the big brain on Brad. Like, it was it was a wonderful moment for me. I was I was tickled with joy. This story really caught my attention uh, with the great art that you mentioned, Steve. Going with it, these pages that he that he put up just for a, a glimpse and seeing Batman, Robin next to Grifter. You've got Zealot on one side, Deathstroke on the other. And the idea of either reviving the original team or a new team of DC and Wildstorm heroes with Batman, Robin, Deathstroke, Deathblow, John Lynch, Zelda, Grifter. Like, what a combination that would have been for a great team up. Not only that, but there's come a point where Batman and Deathstroke have had the same conversation. (laughs) And uh, for anyone who's been keeping up with the recent Batman stories, you can see that that conversation has sort of hit a wall. It's like once they get to a certain point, there's no more talking about it. They're just done arguing over it. And yet for his argument with Grifter, it would be really interesting to see Grifter sort of aware of of the similarities he and Deathstroke have and the differences that they have and also what it's like to see somebody else's life who's chosen the way of the gun chosen you know a very mercenary approach and also the 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 costs that have come with it this could have had some really great crossover stories within Uh, I, I think there was a lot of potential here and I'm intrigued by the fact that maybe it was just bad timing that they were like buddy Ah, uh, we're already working on something. <laughs> if you come up with this at a different time, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see what the future could hold and if there's enough fan response that the universe is big enough, right? Can't can't we tell more than one story? That's my thought. I leave it at that. Um, I feel like there's a possibility. I feel that we've had numerous heroes running around in numerous adventures and sometimes it's great when they connect and other times quit poking holes into my fun stuff and just let me enjoy the flashy lights or the cool colors or the beautiful story or whatever it is i choose hey if i like these characters when they were first with image and they weren't as well written and now they are as well written just in a different title do i really do you really do i care or am I just going to smile and enjoy? Great. Hey, I think there's still a future. I'm hopeful. And I like the idea that this could maybe still happen. Maybe not. Maybe once a pitch is dead, it's dead. But maybe with this sort of art response, people can, I don't know, have an impact. We've seen it happen before. Remember the days when there was never going to be a Snyder Cut? Anyways, yeah. shifting gears. Hashtag uh, <laughs> Batman and the Wildcats. Hashtag Batman and the Wildcats. Hashtag hey, the Wildcats. if you're out there, Steve is giving you all the hashtags. I am not nearly as proficient, so listen to him. Hashtag Batman. Okay. <laughs> there it is. It's all in the background. You only think hashtag you're hearing what you're hearing, but you're going to do what you hear. You only think what you're <laughs> With that, I would like to keep in mind that that spooky moment we had is a perfect way for us to talk about our next story. One story about two stories. The announcement that DC has two Halloween specials that would be coming to <clears throat> scare you <laughs> this October. 
I love it when headlines do stuff like that. Sometimes it just makes me chuckle to read it aloud. DC Comics fans will get Swamp Thing, the Halloween Spectacular, number one, as well as we will be getting uh, a really fun one that I get a kick out of called The Doomed and The Damned. Um, Brad, I'm kicking it over to you first. I feel like I think I might have flubbed up on the uh, Swamp Thing thing. But two of them coming out. Tell me about your thoughts. Oh, man. I cannot wait for the Swamp Thing one. I, I love uh, what Tinian has done with the character and hope he brings some of that Justice League dark magic into, uh, pun intended, in into the book. I think it's going to be a, a super, super fun read. Uh, and and same same way with the other one. I think these these specials will be fun. And I, I've really enjoyed all these kind of anniversary and special issues that DC has put out. Um, whether it's even the giant issues or they did that um, like love-based special around Valentine's Day, all that stuff, they're, they're always a lot of fun. So yeah, I think that these two uh, will be on my uh, on my pull list. Steve, no one does an anthology book like DC, right, guys? Seriously, yeah. they just do it brilliantly. <laughs> they did a Halloween special and the, and the Valentine special last year, and they were fan bloody tastic. Now we're getting two Halloween specials, one with Swamp Thing with that level of talent behind it and another one with Batman and the members of the Justice League Dark. I could see Wonder Woman and Man Bat on that cover. Looks like Kyle Hot's artwork and that guy is very well named because his artwork is hot, baby. Um, I cannot wait. I mean, I'm frightening enough by myself, so if I can get some scary comics to make me even more scary, then listen, give them to me now. I want my scary comics. I want it to be Halloween yesterday. Seth, what do you think of this spooky, spooky gorgeousness? Well, I think the only thing scary about Mr. Steve J. Ray is his encyclopedic knowledge and the way he can just draw it all to the surface in a matter of, well, milliseconds, to say the least. Uh, I think this is a great team up. I mean, you've got so many great writers one on the Legend of the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular. I said the title right that time. I don't know what was happening to me when I was trying to introduce it, but back around. Not only that, but the other talent you mentioned, James Tynan. Uh, you've got Ram V, Vida Ayala, Philip Kennedy, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson. Sorry as I stumbled through that. Great art combination. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, the one that title I love, The Doomed and The Damned. And how we'll get a chance to see Xanadu, Man Bat, and how much fun they were when we got a chance to have the Valentine's one and last year's Halloween. They, Like you said, Steve, who does it better than DC when it comes to anthologies? Nobody, right? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> no one. And, we, and we talk a lot about, on the Mad Love podcast, about kind of our favorite versions of these characters. And I think the best man bat we've ever gotten is the one we're getting now. So it's oh, no always doubt. feel, yeah, it's always fun to see, you know, more of those characters that we love so much. Yeah. That makes it a real treat. You know what I mean? Like you, you already love, it's just like, come on, it's the holidays, it's spooky holidays. Give me one more, just one more, put it in an anthology, make it fun. Make me love it. Yeah. These anthologies have been lovely. Uh, 
there's something about opening a book and flipping through the pages and going from one tone to the next and all of it feeling like a wonderful collaboration and yet with its own great little distinct chapters. I, I love these collections. These are agreed something that'll be on my list as well. And uh, I was just peeking over the stuff as we were talking and the last team up that they mentioned Green Lantern and Etrigan. <laughs> I, I, I just had to chuckle at that. Like, I was like, really? I mean, yeah, man, Matt, this is the best version we've had right now. But I'm really intrigued now just to see who, you know, who we get to enjoy with this combination from uh, these two characters who, if you'd asked me, I would have never thought of putting them together. And now I'm like, perfect. Let's let's make it fun. <laughs> Keeping with the fun, by the way, too, we still have some other news for you. A little bit of fun to keep in mind. Should you... Be interested in adding something new to your collection or have that extra available wham, otherwise known as walking around money, for something to pick up Mm -hmm. and enjoy. We've got a little bit of excitement for Batman the Animated Series fans. I'm talking about the Phantom Creative Collection. What I'm not doing, though, is talking any more about it because that is what I have the amazing Brad and Steve here. Brad, starting with you, what do you think about this connection? And also how the writer points out Mondo, not like radical and bodacious, but having an altogether different meaning. Brad? I, I, I had to look up Mondo, actually, not the word, <laughs> but, uh, <gasps> but, the, uh, but the company uh, when I saw this article. And man, those prints are incredible that they've come up with with these movies combine that with the like just the incredible almost museum heirloom worthy pieces that inside editions comes up with this is just going to be uh man this is going to be something that fans of the animated series want to get their hands on and that show has such a devout and rabid fan base that they that they're just gonna love this and it's gonna be I think it's definitely gonna be on a lot of Christmas lists this year and maybe even Steve's Christmas list. Steve, what do you think? To paraphrase Michael Keaton, I'm Batfan. O M F G. Listen, I need to waterproof my computer because when I got this press release from Insight, I drooled everywhere. Am I a Batman the Animated Series fan? Hmm. Does a bear <laughs> poop in the woods? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Oh, this book is beautiful. Like you said, Brad, Insight Editions, every single thing they touch is gold and their dc volumes have just been astonishing every single one of them anatomy of a metahuman batman the definitive history the new wonder woman book so much cool stuff even their kids book uh, batman uh, cracked the case was was phenomenal and now this in conjunction with mondo oh man these people their images their their art their design work is stellar if you've seen some of the vinyl releases they've made for the batman soundtracks um there are and their creative talent is simply astonishing justin erickson is to me a hero i i love him nearly as much as i love batman and if you just look at the pages that they've given us so far 
every spread, every piece of design, the colours, the way they pop, everything about it. The fact they've actually got one of their vinyl designs there with the seven-inch release of the, the Danny Elfman theme for Batman the Animated Series. I now have to track down and buy that record or people mm-hmm. may die. Um, yeah. I, I need to get this book. Oh, I cannot wait. Please, God, please, God, let this be one of the ones that Insight send me for free so I can review it. Please, please, please. And if they don't, yes, Christmas list, birthday list, I am buying it otherwise oh boy this is another um, no questions asked brilliant piece of news seth i'm a little bit excited could you tell <laughs> i could and folks i want you to know that for the quick and easy price of 60 dollars, you too can save a life whether you're the one giving <laughs> the gift to mr steve j ray or to someone you know and love or just to yourself please Let's not have a killing spree occur when a simple $60 Batman the Animated Series, the Phantom City Creative Collection, could be an easy and, albeit, relatively cheap solution. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, I, I thought the art on this was gorgeous as I was flipping through. Um, not only do you have that beautiful cell shot, you know, that great one of Batman standing, looking out over the city with the bat signal up in the sky, but that almost got him page, that spread that they have, the two pages where you've got the big full pager on the right. And then to the left, you've got these different color shades and just, I mean, I immediately think to that great story and then all of those villains sitting around the table, you know, (laughs) each one, I almost got it. Right. You know? Yeah. One time I picked up a big rock. And I almost smashed him. Like, I, I love that, you know, really, that's your I almost got Batman. Everyone else has these, like, unbelievably complex plans that almost come off and then don't. And, and knowing that flipping through this book and the richness of it, you'll get a chance to have that great sort of recall. Uh, Brad, you pointed out the fans are rabid. Steve, he knows this. Why? Well, he's the host of I Am The Night. Stick around to the end. We'll tell you more about it. I guarantee I'm in charge of that part. So I guarantee I'll tell you more about it. But Steve can attest, I'm sure, to all of the comments and responses he gets every time he posts an episode, every time he talks about something that's a fan favorite. There's something about it and the way it ingrained in it itself on our memories and it's still having the impact on generations we're watching grow up around us it's a great tribute and i love the fact that mondo isn't just a dated piece of vernacular that it's a wonderful collaboration with inside editions and this gorgeous book is the lovely result that everyone else is going to get to enjoy remember sixty dollars save a life i'm just leaving it at that um steve Someone's going to get it for you, get it to you, or we'll make sure you get it. How long can you hold off before someone has to die? I'm not going to put you on the spot. you save could be your own. <laughs> 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 oh, folks, I'd like to tell you that that was all said in jest. But I have another story to move on to, and we have valuable time to consider. So with that, take it at your own grain of salt. I move us right over to our next in the other category, the announcement that we have some new trailer and cover art available for your enjoyment, digestion, viewing pleasure. Uh, We've talked about the Sandman Audible series. Now we get a chance to hear a bit, see a bit and take in all the potential that this has to offer. 
I'm going to tell you my thoughts in a minute. But first, you should really hear from Mr. Brad Felicki. Oh, how I love the Sandman story. And I love <laughs> new ways to kind of experience it because I think you pick up certain things different ways. So uh, this trailer just got me, you know, so excited. I think that this is going to be uh, pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, and it was, you know, uh, it was just a snippet, but it was definitely enough to get me uh, excited. Steve, what do you think? You and I are of a like mind when it comes to these comics, as are you, Seth. We worship these stories because they are some of the finest pieces of comics literature ever committed to the page. And um, I don't know if you guys have heard any of the audio drama yet. Uh, obviously, we're, we're very privileged to have a mysterious, strange benefactor from another dimension who's let us listen to these and no names shall be named. But... Um, <laughs> Damn, they're good. Uh, oh, yeah. my oh, God. Oh, they're <laughs> so good. <laughs> and the fact they were adapting the original three story arcs so beautifully. And that cast, what the actual F. I could not have cast this audio drama better if I literally owned the little black book that had the name of every actor on the planet. It's it's bordering on perfection. Um, it's divine. And this little trailer, which gives away nothing, it's just sand blowing in the wind. And James McAvoy's voice is Morpheus. Perfection. I told you guys that Dirk Maggs is a legend. I, I've got almost everything he's done before. Now you guys obviously clearly believe me and know where I'm coming from, right? So um, oh, yeah. everyone out there, if you're Sandman fans and who isn't, if you've read the comics and love them, Sign up for Audible right now. It's going to be worth it just for this piece of art because that's what it is. It's an audio drama, but it's so much more. It's it's beautiful. Oh, Seth, I'm, I'm, I'm drooling every. I'm going to drown myself and the cat. Um, <laughs> let us know your thoughts about this wonderful trailer and this wonderful audio drama. First, save the cat. Always save the cat. Like we said, folks, you can save a life. It just takes an effort. See, let that sound lets me know we still have air. We still have meows. Um, there's a gift that comes with uh, great actors and their ability to take on a character, become that character. And from the first word spoken in this trailer, and for those who have had a chance to be aware of that very kind and generous benefactor, you're well aware of how this brief glimpse into the tone that's set in this story with that great voice is just so well hinted at with this trailer. The art, gorgeous. The delivery of the trailer, brilliant. The, the timelessness, the, the way that his voice just feels slow, patient, thoughtful, so comfortable telling these stories over and over again. And my, my, Steve, when you mention the cast every time i look over and reminded of just how many people they got on this i mean babe newworth like cheers fans <laughs> come on man like just take a step back for a second if you remember some of her stage work or indie work from tadpole i mean just that voice taryn edgerton who has done some phenomenal work and everyone else who has contributed to bringing so many of these great characters to life. Uh, it, it's really a gift, you know, and it's been a gift to 
What was that? <laughs> I, I, and I just want to say that I think Kat Dennings as death is going to surprise yes. a, lot, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all. I love her. <laughs> Not only that, but what a powerful story and and what a great way to experience it. Um, I, I think it's a great direction. And I, I think something like this just reminds me of that great thing Brad said once that I still cling to, I still am reminded of. We're in a golden age. We have an opportunity to experience a lot of different gifts that weren't available. We know this because they weren't there when we were younger, but we get the chance to experience them now. We get this chance to share them with younger audiences. And because of that, I mean, <laughs> it, it really does feel like you can point in almost any direction in media now and say, so let me show you something you might like if you happen to like this kind of content. And I know my wife loves audiobooks. I am in the process of working this onto a playlist. And I'm sure once I do, we'll have another convert to add to the throng because this is something that I've been teasing. Like, it's coming, hon. It's it's something I want you to think about. Sometimes it takes months, sometimes it takes longer, but this is one of those productions where I think everyone is gradually going to learn why it's making such ripples with the little tidbits and trailers that we're getting now and what we can look forward to for those who have had a chance to uh, get a glimpse at the full content. Keeping all of that in mind, one of the great things that we love about the summers is the cons or summer, all seasons actually is the con season when we get a chance to see great glimpses at all of the things we can look forward to in the coming months and years. And with the announcement that San Diego Comic-Con will be moving online, we have an update that lets us know that they will be teaming up with IGN for what they call the largest pop culture online event. Now, I don't know if that's in history, in the history of cultural live stream events, or if it's just as big as it's going to get because, man, there's a lot packed in here. Well, that's what we have Mr. Brad Felicki and Steve J. Ray for. Brad, starting with you, what was your take on this announcement and all that was packed inside? Uh, this should be this should be a fun another fun event. Like I, I mentioned before, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because I think that um, even even once we get back to mass gatherings, uh, these we will probably still have these digital events. Uh, especially when it comes to things like sharing trailers and and things like that, you can get it out to such a huge audience by doing it virtually. So and it's cool to have IGN on board. And IGN is known mostly as as a gaming site. And outside of the DC world, that really interests me because 2020 is is a year that we're seeing the launch of two gaming consoles. And it's also been a year where, sorry for the sirens, it's also been a year where the biggest video game events have had to be canceled. There was no E3 and things like that. So we haven't really had that kind of interaction with the launch of these consoles. And because IGN is kind of helping to put this on, hopefully a lot of the gaming companies will jump on board and use that to their advantage to get some more information out to us. So that that kind of intrigues me as well. Steve, what do you think? Everything Brad just said. Um, yeah, unreal. For a start, we are going to get San Diego in a brand new way. IGN 
is the perfect partner. Their experience, their knowledge, the fact they can bring the gamers on board, it's it's genius. And for me, one of the things that was always tricky with, with actual physical cons is um, getting children there, getting there who have mobility issues. A mobile convention is a genius idea because it can involve almost everybody this is the way to bring in new fans this is the way to share trailers this is the way to share fun cosplay panels everything that goes with it this is amazing 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 news it's just a couple of weeks away so everyone jump on board see how that goes and then get ready for the massive dc fandom event in august as well the future is virtual i mean nothing can ever replace a live con no way but the fact that this is even happening, the fact that this is a thing is mind-blowing to me. I, I, I remember when Skype was first launched, I thought it was witchcraft. So this is absolutely <laughs> amazing to me. I cannot wait. Seth, oh, my demons, they're talking to me. Where's my tinfoil hat? <laughs> yeah, she's a witch! She's a witch! Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I love it. Skype was witchcraft. You know... What it I love was. <laughs> it still is. We've just learned to dabble and not get too dirty. Um, what I love about this Thank story is one. <laughs> well, someone is a dirty Bertie. Um, I love this story because it's a great collaboration. It makes a lot of sense. Brad, I love what you brought up, which was an important thing to keep in mind, and that's how many events that were geared towards gaming weren't allowed to happen this year. Just as we had so many comic events, whether they were cons or celebrations, that weren't allowed to occur because we've been learning to adapt our lifestyles while hopefully at some point finding ourselves on the other side of a really challenging pandemic period. With that, what a collaboration. IGN, for me, I remember, I'm going to date myself here, but it was about 2001, uh, right around, actually right after 9-11, and I was working in Los Angeles as a professional internet surfer. And it was my job, if you called up or wrote in, to look for anything online you needed and find it. And IGN was this oh, great... Job's fun. Right? It was the best job. I mean, granted, I was with an actor at the time, so it really made things challenging as far as like trying to have a normal life or a normal job. But the job for me, because when you weren't searching, you had access to this huge list of aggregate sources. You know, you name it, all the big stuff from that time, from FARC to you name it. And IGN was one of the few that was available that had a really amazing link to comic databases. So I could just read up on all of my favorite DC characters. I'd there have been periods where I was just too much of a broke idiot to afford comics, but I wanted to know what was going on. And and it just reminds me of how I could go to that IGN uh, website, catch up on some news, and then look for one of the other aggregate links. And it was always a place for me at the time to get some gaming news. But for me, it was a portal to comics because I was just trying to reintroduce myself. So knowing that they're in collaboration uh, with the San Diego Comic-Con and all the things we're going to get to see Reminds me also of how much has changed in those 20 years, 19, and coming up on 20, whatever. Keeping in mind the fact that because of how things used to be, there was only a certain number of people who were ever going to get into a Comic-Con, whether it was San Diego or others, San Diego being one of the biggest. And now 
almost as a trade-off and a blessing. So many people that maybe didn't have the opportunity to travel there will get a chance to tune in and experience for themselves. I think this is going to be a future that will be a part of all of our experiences when it comes to cons, that there will be the physical presence available. But as you point out, Steve, it was always such a challenge if you had small children or if you had those you had to look after, anyone who had needs where a crowd simply isn't conducive. Now you have the opportunity to experience all of the best aspects from a place where you're comfortable, where you can access, where you can enjoy safely for whatever reasons work best for you. I, I think this is going to be a, a huge change that we can look forward to experiencing the ripples later on down the road. And I'm excited to tune in. As you pointed out, it's just one of many things, including fandom coming up later on, fandom. And <laughs> with all of that in mind, I, I love the fact that this is an idea that we can hopefully see others you know, glomming onto and that these events will be a way for so many other platforms to get involved. I mean, I love that when I was looking over this list, you got everybody. IGN, IGN's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Comic-Con's YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. <laughs> like, pick your platform. Settle down. Make some snacks. Try and time your bathroom breaks. And enjoy, my friends. Just enjoy. This is one of those stories that when you're going to end an episode, I love to end on this kind of note. You know what I mean? Um, I know I'm just blah, 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 but... I also feel like for all of us, you know, there's been this sense of like, we need some good stuff to look forward to right now. And this is something I'm really going to enjoy. I'm immediately looking forward to sharing this story with my sister. I got nieces and nephews. I, I, I can't wait for everyone to get the chance to experience this. So, yeah, <laughs> a lot of excitement for me, a lot of joy. And as I mentioned, that is the way we're ending this episode. That was our last story. A great one in my book. I. I love the optimism, the hope, and the aspiration, and more importantly, the collaboration. Why? Well, because when you're lucky enough to hang out with a great team like the DC Comics News podcast team every week, it's a gift to know such great collaborators. You might want to know more about them, whether you've tuned in for every episode or this is your first one. We're going to give you the chance to do that now. Brad, I'm going to start with you. How can the good people get to know you just a little bit better? You can find me. Uh, writing news and reviews at dccomicsnews.com. You can find me on the Harley Quinn uh, animated podcast, Mad Love, also on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And Mr. Steve J. Rare, how can the good people get to know you a little bit better, my friend? Most weeks I'm on this wonderful show with my wonderful friends talking about wonderful things in the wonderful DC universe. So please listen to us um, because you'll like us. No, you'll love us. And then you want to take us home and feed us lots of sweet treats. You can also find me online uh, with news, reviews and interviews across DC Comics News and our sister site, Dark Knight News, which for my sins, I'm editor in chief of. And the easiest way to catch all of that Good shears is by typing in Steve J. Ray into your search engine of choice. But talk to me. I like talking to people all the time. And you can do that with me on Twitter at LSteveO, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. Also search Fantastic Universes for stuff that might not be all DC or Batman, but other great cool stuff too. Seth and your pooches, where can the world find <laughs> you? 
It's always the question of who is more popular. I know the answer. It's them. Who am I talking about? Well, my two lovely dogs, Bruno and Fiji. You can find them on Instagram at Bruno and Fiji. You can also find me too. I'm Seth the Writer. That's on Instagram. On Twitter, I'm known as One More Singleton. You can find me elsewhere on the interwebs. Just try Seth Singleton, the word story. Uh, you can find me at DC Comics News, providing reviews. There's some good stuff out there, and I love writing about it. You can catch me hanging out here with this great group as many weeks as are possible. And I'd love for you to know that if you like what you're hearing today, there's a way you can guarantee you never miss out. All you have to do is head on over to that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening and once you hit subscribe you can also rate and review but subscribing means you never miss out that's the dc comics news weekly podcast our more uh 18 and over mad love a harley quinn cast an episode episode breakdown of the harley quinn show from dc universe you also get a chance to experience the amazing i am the knight hosted by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray. That's an episode-by-episode episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series. Remember when you mentioned that rabid fan base? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's responsible for that. It's okay. You can also catch me hosting the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, my top five picks each and every week from DC Comics. And you'll also guarantee that when new content comes out, you'll be the first like when Felicky Fashions finally makes its <laughs> fabulous debut, I trust you. By subscribing now, you will be the first to hear the debut. It's a premiere you're not going to want to miss. Now, should you have a comment about anything we've talked about, you want to address the entire DC Comics News staff here, all you have to do is go to your favorite platform, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube, at DC Comics News, that's at Capital. Capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Use that tag. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you want us to know. In the meantime, whatever platform you've been listening on, please don't forget when this is over to subscribe. Whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever platform you like, it's the subscribing that makes sure that you're in the know. That brings us to a wrap, to a close. I've been your host. I've been happy to be here with the amazing Brad Felicki, Steve J. Ray. Sorry we couldn't have our wonderful Kendra and Kelly. Looking forward to having them back on the next time they're available. In the meantime, we only have one final message we like to end each episode with. And that is to always read more comics. Yes. Have a great night, folks. Thanks so much.